So last week we looked at the story of Martha and Mary, and I, I mentioned that mainly because I had this conversation with Cheryl right after service that was great. Uh, we talked about how disconnection uh, with people, distractions lead to disconnection with people and how we need to kind of open ourselves up to not being distracted so much so we can connect with people and how much of a difference that makes in us shining the light of, of God in other people's lives and really for God's light to shine into ours as well. And I was talking with Cheryl and she was telling me about how over the years she's, she's done that and, and maybe sometimes not in ways that you expected because of your son Dominic, right, bringing people home uh, with, with him and, and yet some of the relationships that that have been built out of that. I mean, you've got people that call you Mom Cheryl now because of that. I mean, just some incredible relationships that have come out of that. So I just want to kind of share that real-world example that, hey, these, these types of things make transformative changes in our lives and in the lives of other people, and so it's worth it. And so we're going to spend one more week talking about that kind of idea and, and talking about it just in a little bit different way than we did last week. On a number of different occasions in my life, I have, I have a specific skill or talent that I've been asked to perform, and that is to reach things. I don't, as some of you I know can, can relate to this, but it, I mean, family, friends, complete strangers walking along the grocery store aisles, you know, somebody will kind of look around and you kind of see them struggling or they're kind of looking wistfully at the thing on the top shelf and they'll say, hey, you could probably reach that. Can you help me here? And, and that's just, that is a service that I have been able to provide occasionally over the years. And, and one of the things, one of the things I take great comfort in is knowing that at some point in my life when I feel absolutely useless, you know, for nothing else in life, I could just cruise the aisles of the grocery store or Walmart and just look for people who are in a position of needing something up high. And so I, I, I think that's great. I still would have liked to have been taller. Um, 6'9 would have been the perfect height, I, I think, for me. And some of you are like, I would never want to be that tall because like trying to find clothes. Can you imagine what it's like sitting on an airplane? You know, because I wouldn't be like on a basketball team, you know, I've got plenty of room or anything. I'd be back in coach in the back of the plane, you know, scrunched in or that kind of thing. But man, uh, you know, playing volleyball, I, I play volleyball a couple nights a week. And so to be able to do that, I mean, you can't coach height, you know, so it'd be great to be 6'9 and uh, just be able to dominate in that way. That, that would be amazing. What do, you, what do you do when something's out of reach in your life? Well, I get a step stool. You know, or, you know what, do you, what do you do when there's something that you really want and you just can't quite grasp it? It doesn't matter how tall we've, we are. We've all been there. It could be you sitting down on your couch and the remote is, is just out of reach. And you're like, ah, oh, I wish I had a kid that I could just tell to go hand it to me. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> so I've done that on, on a few occasions. And I'm like, Dad, why don't you do it? And it's like, because I have you. And, and that works out really way really well. Or maybe it's something a little bit more significant. You know, growing up, maybe it's, oh, I really want to make the middle school basketball team. Or maybe you're trying to uh, get into the particular college or trade that you just really, you're really hoping to, oh, I really want to, I really want to work with this person, or I really want to go to this school. Or maybe it's a job promotion, or, you know, maybe it's switching a job. I'd really like to do this or get into this career. Maybe I want to attain these new heights or these new levels. Maybe it's a, a relationship of some sort. Maybe it's, you know, a relationship that you want to have. Maybe it's a, a relationship that you, you wish you didn't have. Um, maybe it's some sort of reconciliation that you would like to have happen in your life, but maybe it's, it just seems to be a little bit out of reach. All of us have different responses to those things. Some of us give up. 
we're just done. It's like, I, I can't reach that, so it's not even worth trying. It's not, not something I need to make an effort for. Some of us work as hard as we possibly can. Some of us ignore everything else in life and just go for that one singular thing. Uh, sometimes we try to create some sort of opportunity to bridge the gap that is there, that's created in our, in our life for the thing that we're, we're reaching for. Um, other things don't seem to be as straightforward. You know, some things that seem to be just out of reach are, are just not something that we can just work harder and make different. Um, maybe we're just not happy with where we are in life. You know, it's something that we would like to have changed and we look at someone else or we look at, you know, some other situation or circumstance and say, man, I just wish, I wish that had been me. I wish I had been given that particular skill set or that kind of talent or that kind of ability, whatever, whatever the thing is in life. And we, so we kind of think about those things that are out of reach and maybe we're not really sure what to do, what to do with those those things, the type of person that we want to be, the person that we want to be attracted to. And sometimes the things that we should do or the things that we should be about with those things are out of reach are, are counter to what we naturally think. So you think about a relationship, for example. A lot of people look at a relationship in terms of uh, thinking about the person that they would like to be with. And so, okay, I'm looking for that type of person and I need to find them so that I can finally be with that person. When in reality, most of the time, the way that we should be thinking is, who am I becoming so that the person that I would like to be with would be with me? And so there's different ways to look at our lives and how we think about those things that are just out of reach. A large part of what is needed in our response to what is out of reach in life will be our emotional intelligence. And so it's not just our knowledge, it's not just the things that we can accomplish, it's not just the hard work that we can put in, but it's kind of the understanding of ourselves and how God has wired us and created us and managing our expectations. And when we don't keep those things in check, most of the time what we do is we end up overcompensating in other ways that might alleviate the lack of fulfillment we feel, but it doesn't replace the thing that we're missing. And that overcompensation then becomes an obstacle to what we really need to kind of feel, fill that dark place that has been created in our heart or in our mind, that space that really is supposed to be reserved for what, our, for what we need. And not only is that a problem for all of us, all of humanity this as, experiences this in some way at some point in our lives. But this is a problem that Jesus corrects, that he came to correct, and he does that for, for all of us. And when it is corrected in our lives, it inspires us to help other people do the same. Let, let me remind you of a passage that we read last week that's kind of an anchor for these, this two-week series that we've been talking about. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Two things, two things to be reminded of. You and I are the light of the world for others to be able to see Jesus. So we're called to reflect him to other people. You and I are the light others need to see God. And that's how God designs us and wires us to live with him and as we are disciples of Jesus. And yet sometimes we are hidden behind our bowls, or sometimes perhaps our town on the hill is hidden behind the walls that we create and to try to maybe separate ourselves from the things that we really need, and, and we don't even realize it. And so today we're going to be looking at a story of a man who has done this in his life, and yet Jesus comes along and completely changes everything, not just for his immediate life here on this earth, but for all of eternity. So in Luke chapter 19, if you want to turn to there in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus. 
and his story is going to show us a better way to help shape our own. Now, some of you have Zacchaeus' story memorized because you grew up in church and you learned the Sunday school song about Zacchaeus. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you by myself. I actually have a helper this morning. And so, Lily, why don't you come on up? And we're going to, for anybody who might not know this, just grab that microphone right there. Grab that mic. So some of you might not have ever heard this song, and Lily's going to help me sing it. All right, I'm going to get, if I get down, will I be able to get back up? Yeah, okay, maybe. Ooh, y'all laughing at me. All right, you ready? We got the words, I think, on the screen for you behind us. All right, you good? Yeah. All right, can I start it? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. All right. Shameless, cute moment. <laughs> now, if you have never heard that before or you don't know Zacchaeus' story, uh, you should know that this Sunday school song doesn't actually encapsulate the entirety of what happens in the story. There are actually some pretty significant and profound things that happen there, but it's a great way to kind of remember what happens in, in, this, uh, in this interaction with Jesus. But let me just say, maybe somewhat as an aside, if I was Zacchaeus, I just kind of imagine him being in heaven right now. And think about all the people throughout the years that have sung about him being a wee little man. <laughs> I, just think, I just think about him being in heaven having a chip on his shoulder, which I don't think you're allowed to have chips on your shoulder when you're in heaven. But I think if anybody can, it's Zacchaeus. How many millions of people throughout history you know, have called him a wee little man? Some, I mean, we're going to have to look him in the eye one day, right? <laughs> Oh, you're the wee little man. You know, that it kind of makes you appreciate the Napoleon complex thing, right? You know, the, the correlation between vertical stature and uh, aggression, you know, and, and, uh, and trying to dominate other people. Uh, by the way, Napoleon was of average height. You know, that was due to the power of political cartoons. If someone called me a wee little man constantly, I have a complex too. You know, I, I wouldn't enjoy that. Well, Zacchaeus definitely uh, did... Have a, have a complex, although his compensation created the obstacle of money being the thing that he lived for to fill the hole in his life. And the presence of Jesus in his home was enough for him to exchange that for something much better. It's our shortcomings that create obstacles that block our light, the light that we are supposed to shine to the world so that others can see, see God. And Jesus removes those things he removes those obstacles and those shortcomings. So let's take a look at the text to see this entire counter, all right? So a little bit beyond the Sunday school song, we find in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anything, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. A couple of really important things about this text and about Zacchaeus and about him being a tax collector and what this meant for the context in which Jesus is changing this man's life. As a tax collector, Zacchaeus worked for the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was an occupying force. They had kept the Jews subservient to the empire. They did not enjoy the same rights or privileges as citizens of the Roman Empire, and this was not a good thing. And as a tax collector, especially the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus had the backing of the occupying force of the Roman Empire to take the taxes away from the Jewish people that were going to be feeding, feeding the Caesar. All right? and, and he didn't just take the taxes that were owed, he took whatever he wanted. He was able to exact whatever price he could so he could pad his own pockets as he sent the rest to the Romans. As a chief tax collector, it meant one of two things. Either he was so good that he rose up through the ranks and he was overseeing all the other tax collectors, and so that would be enough to uh, not appreciate him, uh, or he was just so good at his job, he was the one renowned in the area for padding his stats. All right, so he was very wealthy and he was very much vilified. Now, I'll just let you know, just kind of a personal insight into my life, I'm not that big of a fan of taxes myself. Um, a little bit of a different context, though. I've got some thoughts about that. But as a citizen of this country, I understand that people who work for the IRS are just doing their job, and, and it's in service of the country that we live in, so I get it. That's fine. We won't go into that. This is a very different situation. When, when, the, when the Jewish people saw their fellow man, Zacchaeus, who was a Jew as well, working for the Holy Roman Empire, they weren't the Holy Roman Empire then, I don't know why I said that, um, church history snafu there, uh, for the Roman Empire, they saw him in such a way that, um, that he was a traitor to, to them and to everything that they stood for, and that he was a sinner. And so this was an irredeemable, lost, unworthy, horrible human being that, that we're looking at here in, the, in, the, in terms of how everybody in Jesus' day looked, looked, at, um, looked at Zacchaeus. He may have been too short to see over the crowd to see, see Jesus, but there was no way that anybody was going to give him space to kind of push through to be able to see him as well. And that's what makes it so difficult for us sometimes to see other people the way that Jesus does and live our lives in service of the same purpose as Jesus. Because we look at the end of the we look at the end of the text there that we read, and Jesus ends it by saying, "The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost." Like that that is the that is the mission that is the purpose for which Jesus came, and the the one person who everybody would have looked at in that area is the one person who could not possibly be saved from God, who is completely irredeemable, would have been Zacchaeus. The problem is, is that, that those obstacles that we talked about, sometimes that we overcompensate and we put in place in our lives because we're trying to fill the hole that Jesus is meant to fill, sometimes we let those obstacles of other people become obstacles for us to shine the light for them. And this is what happens when we demonize other people. 
when we talk about those people, when we talk about people who have those opinions and when they vote that way and when they say those things and they do those things and they look that way, when we demonize and dehumanize others who don't live, look, and think like us, there's nothing wrong with identifying um, and acknowledging what is wrong in the world at all, but it becomes a problem when we allow those wrongs to classify people in such a way that dismisses them and discounts them as being irredeemable by God. And that's what the crowd had done. They hear Jesus saying that he's going to Zacchaeus' uh, house that day, and their response is, ew, that, that guy? Jesus can't be as holy and as good of a teacher and representative of God as we, we think he might be. Uh, this guy is a sinner, and why would Jesus bother associating himself with such a disgusting human being? It's kind of the thought press there. Well, it's the same reason he associates himself with us, because we were once in that same exact category. And as people who have been saved, our attitude and posture is to be the same as Jesus. He went and hung out at this shunned, irredeemable person's house, the most familiar and vulnerable setting he could place himself in because Jesus never blocked his light from shining where it was needed the most. And Zacchaeus knew where he stood here, too. He didn't need somebody to come along and point it out to him. It's why he climbed the tree to see Jesus instead of trying to pushing instead of trying to push through the crowd. He just wanted to catch a glimpse of the man's face whose teachings and miracles and singular wisdom he'd heard so much about and wished he could experience for himself, but likely didn't feel very worthy of because of how he was seen and the things that he had done in his life. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he was a sinner that no one would give space for it to happen. Jesus puts himself, though, in places where those who can't see him come face to face with him. And the place in which he continues to do that today is through you and through me. You are the light of the world. You are the light that others need to see God. There's a benefit to us as a family of believers to let our light shine among each other, but that's not the only place it's meant to shine. That same eternity-shaping benefit applies to those who don't know Jesus and those who have not been saved by Jesus yet as well. And Jesus spends time with Zacchaeus in his house, and at some point, After conversation and after food, Zacchaeus, as a response to who Jesus is and what he has taught and what he has done in his life, stands up and declares that now he has experienced the light of Jesus. The dark corners of his heart and his mind have been exposed and they've been fulfilled despite the obstacle of his greed that had been compensating for all of those things that he couldn't reach on his own. And now he is repenting of those things and turning his life around. Half of his possessions to the poor and four times the amount of those he had cheated because he had cheated people out of their money. I mean, this was an incredible amount. And you think about the, the, the story and the experience that that in turn creates in the lives of those other people with this incredible life change that Jesus had brought upon, upon this man where he left all these things that he'd worked for his entire life behind, gave all of this money uh, away that would, would benefit and impact countless numbers of people, and it would be all because of his response to Jesus, because of encounter with the Son of God. And so who is this traitor, sinner, irredeemable Zacchaeus now? Jesus says, salvation's come to this house too. This, this is a son of Abraham. This is a son of God. He's a child of God who has been saved. The very purpose of Jesus being fulfilled in him. The very person that everybody else would have said, that's the one person that that definitely can't happen to. An amazing transformation that would not happen if we were left to our own natural biases against those who are lost. The way it's supposed to work is that when we exchange our obstacles for Jesus, our lives radically change and others see God at work. 
And this is what Jesus models for us in his life. The awareness that we develop when we realize just how badly we need Jesus, just how badly we need to be saved, gives us a greater appreciation for how badly others need to see him in us. I'm sure Zacchaeus had developed his life as best he could. Maybe he, he was compensating for whatever he missed in his childhood. Maybe he got teased incessantly. Maybe he was bullied constantly because of his size growing up. And maybe his response to the world, to the brokenness of the world is saying, okay, I'll show everybody. You know, I'll come out on top over everybody. And so he takes this path of, of taking money from his fellow man to serve, you know, the occupying force. And he's okay with that in that moment, all the vilification that he receives because he's finally everybody able to show everybody else. And yet he knew it was empty. He knew those were dark places that need the light of Jesus to shine, and he wasn't going to have an ego about this. He would lower himself to climb a tree to make that happen. And when we set aside our pride long enough, we give ourselves a chance to come face to face with Jesus and experience how profound his way really is. And discipleship that he calls us into, how life-changing that really is for us and the people around us. It's more than punching a ticket to heaven so that you can avoid hell. Like that, that's, a, that's an amazing benefit um, to us responding to what God has done through Jesus, but that, that's not the sole point. The sole point is God wants to be with us, that he created us, that he loved us, he created us in his image, he wants to be with us, he wants to experience the joy of life with him. And so that's what we're trying to share with other people. It's really about coming face to face with our Lord, Savior, and King and saying, I need you. And I want to experience the joy of life with you. There's nothing else that compares. There's nothing I've got that I can offer that would be better than this. And I need Jesus to show me the way to a true life, one that's not hidden by unattainable obstacles that pile up in front of me because of a broken world. And we need Jesus to see over and through those things to be saved from ourselves and our own self-destruction. And Zacchaeus was finally able to recognize this when he came face to face with Jesus. And when we have experienced that joy, we can't help but be compelled to help other people experience it. Our mission as a church is helping people find Jesus and love God, because that was Jesus' mission. And save people help save people. That, that's, that's our response when we come to grips with, with what has really happened between us and God and what Jesus has done in our lives. And we do so through God at work in our lives, shining the light and us opening up our lives to be with people who need the saving power of Jesus at work in their lives. A crowd murmuring around Jesus because he was going to the house of a sinner, they, they missed it because they thought themselves a superior to Zacchaeus and therefore not in need of the same treatment, and that Zacchaeus himself was an unworthy recipient of Jesus' time and effort. Well, I'm an unworthy recipient. There, there's never been a time in my life where I've been superior to anyone else in need of the grace and mercy and love and justice and righteousness and holiness and glory of Jesus transforming my life for here on this earth and for all eternity. And because I'm aware of the preciousness of my own salvation, when, when that happens, when I become aware of that, how could I not be compelled to share that with other people? Because of how life-altering and eternity trajectory-altering that is in my life. How could we not provide Jesus as the solution for all the obstacles that we've created in our lives to compensate for the hole that really is meant to be filled by God, that keeps God just out of reach. Well, you and I can reach the shelf. We, we and I, you and I can, can hand 
people exactly what they're looking for, exactly what they're reaching for through Jesus. And Jesus has entrusted us to do that with helping others to do the same by reflecting his life to others, by following how he lives and how he thinks and how he interacts with anyone and everyone. So what does Jesus do? Jesus looks for the person in the crowd who's trying to see him. He, he goes straight to Zacchaeus, who's climbing a tree, who's looking for him, who's trying to come face to face. You know, he's like, I, I probably am not worthy enough to, to come face to face with him, but I just want to catch a glimpse of him. And Jesus makes a beeline for him, for the person who can't reach him, for the person who's struggling to see him, and invites himself over to his house. Now, look, I, the takeaway this morning, I'm, I'm not going to say that you need to approach this in the exact same way as Jesus. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'm not asking you, like, please don't do this. And if you do, like, don't tell them that you uh, go to Velocity. No, I'm, I'm, like, don't go up to somebody and say, you need Jesus. I'm coming to your house today. Like, don't, you aren't the son of God. You know, Jesus' interaction was just a little bit different, all right? Zacchaeus was trying, trying to get up with him. I mean, that, that, was, a, that was a whole, whole different thing. So the context is, is a little bit different in how we approach things. I mean, let, let's, just say, let's just say this. But you know what we can do? We can invite other people into our homes into our familiar, vulnerable place where we've removed the obstacles in our life that keep us separate from other people. And we can invite them into our lives and we can help them encounter Jesus face to face as we are living out our discipleship of Jesus, as we're modeling the same light that he is shining, as we're sharing the same exact willingness to say, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, at some point down the road, you're, you're worthy as someone who's been created in the image of God of being able to encounter and experience Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. And I, I want to encourage you, I want, I want to encourage you to invite somebody in, into your house today. It doesn't have to happen today, and you don't have to invite them today. But if, if you don't have people in your life that you're intentionally, that do not know Jesus, that you are not intentionally trying to shine the light of God into their lives. What I'm, what I'm suggesting to you and what I'm saying that scripture is saying is that you need to have those people in your life. That your, your home, your life, your heart needs to be open to those people in your life that, that need Jesus, that need the light in those dark places. And yeah, they're gonna have obstacles. They're gonna have things that they're compensating for in their life that maybe make us look at them and say, ew. You know, how, how could they possibly be redeemed from that? Well, I, look, we've been in the same exact position where we've been in the, ooh, who are they to be worthy of God's grace? All of us have been there. And Jesus calls us to look at each other and other people who do not know him yet in a completely different light than what we might naturally do in our own lives. Look, it would be amazing for you to, you know, go to those people and say, oh, I would love for you to come to church with me. I'd love for you to come to church on Easter, you know, th those kinds of things. But to tell you what makes the most impact is when you invite them into your life, into your familiar and vulnerable and open self and who Jesus is creating you to be. And that was, that's what makes the most impact because the light that Jesus is reflecting off of us is what helps other people come face to face with him. It takes humility on our part to recognize our need for a Savior and to humbly respond to God with our life through our discipleship to Jesus. 
And that, that humbling that Zacchaeus models for us in his encounter with Jesus, that's meant to be an example. His response and what he does, him giving away all of his stuff, it might just cause others to humble themselves long enough to climb the tree and get a glimpse from Jesus from us. And that's, that's who we're called to be. And that's how we're called to share the light that Jesus has shined in our lives. And so I just want to let you know, maybe you're in a place right now where you're like, I, that's, uh, that's me. Like I need, I'm in the place of Zacchaeus where I, I need to come face to face with Jesus. That's, that's a place in my life where I've been. Then uh, this, is a, this is a place for you to start that conversation, to ask those questions, to wrestle with, to deal with, whatever those things that have been holding you back. Maybe it's something that you've been overcompensating for in your life that's become an obstacle that seems insurmountable. Maybe it's a doubt. Uh, maybe it's some question that you, you have that you've just felt like you've never been able to ask anywhere else. Uh, this is a place where you can do that. And so I, I wanna encourage you, um, whether it's going on velocitychurch.info and saying, hey, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to meet with somebody or talk with somebody, whether it's catching me in the lobby right after church, whether it's sending me an email, rob at velocitychurch.com, um, don't, don't delay, like do that. That opportunity is there for you right, right now, whatever that might be. And for those of us who already know Jesus, may, may, we, may we start inviting people into, into our homes, into our lives. Uh, may we have people on our list that we're doing that intentionally with, where we're making a beeline for and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of let the light of Jesus shine um, to your life through mine. Let's, let's pray together this morning. God, as we consider this, this idea of shining our light to other people and following the, the example of Jesus, God, we thank you that um, you don't leave us to our own power to do this, that you empower us with the Holy Spirit, that you give us the, the example and model for Jesus, that, you, that you've already done it for us. And how, how much more that should compel us to, to do that for other people when we understand how much we've been forgiven of and what we've been forgiven for. God, we thank you for the, the sacrifice of Jesus. As we, as, we, uh, as we think about what's coming this week, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, we think about what we celebrate that Jesus has done. God, help us to live that celebration out in the lives of other people who desperately need you. God, help us to see the people in our lives. Help us to see the opportunities uh, th that, that we have to um, have the relationships that we need first and then allow those relationships to lead into the conversations that uh, people so desperately want, want to have, even if they don't necessarily see it yet. God, help us to be the example that leads to those conversations that can help change people's lives the way that Jesus has done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.